David and hello everyone. It's very lovely to welcome you back to Something to Neglect. Yes indeed. Hello Beth and hello everybody. We're pleased to have you with us. Uh, so season four is well underway now. We're on episode two and uh, I think two episodes in uh, we probably should already be talking about books. <laughs> Because where two or three Baptist ministers are gathered. <laughs> Absolutely right. There is a bookcase somewhere. Um, so um, I have, I mean, a, a weird bit of with my reading where I feel like I've got eight or nine books that I've almost finished reading. Um, and I really just need to sit and finish them all, which I'll do at some point. But I read a couple of books I've been meaning to read for ages in preparation for coming to visit you at work because yeah. um, you were... Uh, scraping the proverbial barrel for not preachers at, all. at not Regent's all. Park College. Don't say and, that because uh, there was a, a high crossover with people we've interviewed. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but, yeah, but they'd all been already. They'd all been already. Um, and uh, obviously um, it was a joy to be there. And to be given, I, I think, ironically, in many ways, um, the part of the creation story where God rests. Um, and... Yeah, so I was challenged myself in preparation, as indeed all good sermons often do, I think. Uh, but I read uh, Nicholas Lee's book on Sabbath, which I really enjoyed, I have to say. Took me a while to get into the whole trees thing. Uh, but uh, if you kind of ignored that, um, I, I took loads from the book. And there was another book like that. What was it? Oh, it was one of these disciple making movement books. Must have been 15 years ago. It's all about shapes. And there was the square of this and the triangle of this. It was Mike Breen and it was all coming out of this church. And if you ignore, if you ignored the shapes, it was all totally fine. But I got really sort of <laughs> stuck on the theological significance of a pentagon and what it had to do with whatever it was. Yeah. You know? I just remember thinking, okay, let's just, what is actually being said here? And I was so on board for all of it. Anyway. And then also uh, reading Walter Brueggemann's always a good thing to read uh, Sabbath's resistance. And uh, I mean, that, that was just fun uh, reading that. So those were two things I've been reading. Uh, but Beth, what about you? What is the uh, sort of top of your pile at the moment? So I've been reading um, This Here Flesh this week by Cole Arthur Riley, um, which is a, a book. Uh, it describes itself as spirituality, liberation and the stories that make us. I, how would I describe it? It's a book that takes seriously the embodiment as part of spirituality, which is something I've been thinking about a lot about anyway. But it's beautifully written. It's beautifully written um, in a way that is somehow both comforting and challenging at exactly the same time and I don't know how that is possible um it's got some just astonishing reflections um it narrates a lot of um their experience about being black and and how that has shaped them in various ways um and obvious ways I suppose in some ways but um but it, it in such a way that then it kind of produces yeah really critical but deeply insightful reflections on kind of spirituality and church and um how uh how things like guilt are often emotions of power um which is really interesting i never thought about where shame is not and just all sorts of all sorts of things like that which is just absolutely you know you just take something away you just have to keep reading it and just keep going back to it because there's so much in it you know you just have only just taken the tiny bit off the top and you're gonna have to keep going back for more uh, it's one of those books I have to keep going back to um I found that actually a bit about uh, Nicholas Lee's Sabbath book it was one of those books for me um I feel like I've taken away lots of nuggets from that book um mm. I also um slightly skipped some of the tree stuff um you can skip the poems that's fine um, <laughs> <laughs> um she has this great phrase about um Sabbath rest being like the margins around the pages to help you build yes. text and I if I've used that phrase once I've used it a hundred times now so um I think um yeah I think um uh this book this here flash is going to be one of those that it does the same thing for me it's going to kind of just embed itself and then I'll be quoting it not realizing I'm quoting it in about 20 years time because it will just become uh so much of of 
what I think. It's just mm. one of those. And it was also one of those weeks where you know you need to read a good book. Um, some some weeks you're like, you know, you should read a book. Um, and the other other weeks, you know, you need to read a book. And it's one of those, yeah, it was the end of term. I needed to read something. I needed to read something that was theologically profound in a way that didn't feel like it was a theological work to read. And it was just nourishment. It was beautiful. Well, off the back of your recommendation, I, uh, I've pre-ordered a copy. So uh, I will let, well, not pre-ordered, I've ordered a copy and I will let you know. Uh, so thank you for that and uh, look forward to, to learning through it. Now, today, uh, episode two, we have a guest from the beautiful county of Devon. Mm -hmm. I think this must be, our, I guess, if we ignore Julie from the States, but in terms of in the UK, our most westerly ever guest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that today because, you know, geography nerds of the world unite. And uh, it was great to have someone from the Southwest on the podcast. And uh, Ross Maynard is with us today. And Ross uh, is at South Street Baptist Church in Exeter. And we're going to have a listen in now to his chat with me from a little while ago. Well, Ross, welcome. Thank you for joining us on our Something to Declare uh, podcast. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Great to be with you. So you are based in Exeter and you're working at South Street Baptist Church, if I've got that right. Um, tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you, what uh, ministry looks like in that place. What do you spend your time doing? Oh, wow. Um, so... I think it's changed a lot. I kind of came in as the community minister with um, pioneer minister kind of terminology was originally used, but I think the church felt community minister suited them more. Um, and the focus was to be out there in the community, kind of seeing where God's at work and exploring what our role was within that. Uh, quite broad, but linked with the church's real passion for, for mission and um, the community centre that they have called the Palace Gate Centre. Um, but that changed during the pandemic because the other full-time minister we had, Simon Taylor, uh, did some part-time chaplaincy at the university and was taking on um, a paid role um, at the university and therefore no longer could do the full-time role at South Street. Um, so we had this kind of question, I think like the pandemic drew with many people, what do we do? Mm. Uh, and, and that kind of, his, his role transition fed into that. Um, and I was kind of, looking at this whole model that we had with this great community center that's been there for 40 years um a church that recognizes that it needs to do something different to be sustainable for the future um and and for me there was a real there was real potential there um so we kind of raised this idea with the congregation that could we do um some team ministry where simon would remain one day a week um at the at the church, uh, looking at focusing on overseeing the kind of Sunday morning aspect of ministry. Um, and then I would kind of look at the overarching vision of what we, how we're moving forward, if you like, um, and, and a real focus on the community and the Palace Gate side of things. Um, so we kind of moved into this, really. That was the, there's three of us. There's another minister called Peter Woolway, who's our pastoral associate and focuses on, 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 on pastoral care. So we have very distinct roles, which I think is a really exciting thing um, about what we're doing here. Um, but we also have lots of different um, expressions of church is the language I use or gatherings of, of church that go on throughout the week. Uh, we have Dove Cafe on a Tuesday, which is a community cafe um, and it's the guys that, that run it are, um, or, or, the, or that help us serve are some guys from Langdon Hospital, which is a mental health uh, facility in, in Dawlish, uh, mental health hospital. And, um, and they're brilliant. Like you go into the cafe and you meet Rob, who's this big kind of burly character. He's got a tattoo on his face around his eyes um, and you just wouldn't meet a nicer bloke in, in the world like you'd be scared to introduce your granny to him but she'd be <laughs> friends with him by the end of the day um and it's, it's just got this brilliant kind of community vibe um, and there's a kind of prayer rhythm that runs throughout the day as well um and then on thursday we have renew refresh which is a mm -hmm. well, renew well-being 
um, initiative, again, with the prayer rhythm running throughout it. Uh, open on a Sunday evening, which is a, a Zoom mm. expression of church, encouraging people to, uh, to, to think um, criti critically. And, and, and those, it, it's drawn a lot of people who have been on the margins of, of church, really, or, or have been hurt by church and are, are wanting a way to, to talk about um, their theological contentions or, or political contentions. So we had all these different communities meeting in and around the centre. Uh, and I suppose a lot of what we're, we're doing in this new phase of life, if you like, is, is saying, well, you know, church for us is not the Sunday morning expression. That is part of who we are, but it's only part of, um, and actually all these other gatherings. Um, oh, we do, we're do we doing a thing called Dove Church on a Wednesday evening as well, um, which is, again, that involves food and another expression of, of church. So I suppose we're saying this is all, this is who we are. All of this is is who we are as a church. It's messy um, how membership and discipleship and all these um, wonderful terms look in regards to this. We're not sure yet and we're working that out. Um, but it's beautiful and it's God is clearly at work amongst the, the lonely, the isolated and the mentally ill, which I think is a real focus of, of ministry through all these gatherings. Um, and then the question we have is, is how do you fund this? Which yes, uh, <laughs> everyone's asking up and down the country in Baptist circles, um, which is which is the beauty of having a, a community centre is that we do have a viable income coming in. Um, so could we update that for the future? How does the vision of the centre work with all of this? Mm -hmm. um, they're some of the questions we're asking. So that's a really long explanation your question apologies no, it's super interesting and helpful to to hear some of those things and sort of almost the mosaic of of church life and all the different mm. elements of it um tell me a bit more about the sunday evenings um i mean i'm sure everyone listening will have different bits they would love me to ask more questions about but i want to start there if i can so yeah. um what kind of things would you be talking about and covering um in those spaces with the people you've got coming along amazing so um so it's called open it's the gatherings called open um and our values are kind of well, the first two the most prominent are open hearts and open minds i think we wanted to balance um the kind of critical thinking with a genuine openness to experiencing and worshiping god in the space we didn't want to just become cynical and grumpy deconstruct everything to have nothing to offer um, so we offer a space to deconstruct, but also to, to kind of reconstruct as well, I suppose. Um, at the moment, we're doing a series uh, where we're having, we're trying to have conversations about all the controversial topics that you can't talk about. We don't, we don't talk about often um, in, in church. In the pews, I think we said, I can't, I can't remember. It's annoying. We had a really cool title that I worked on for ages. Um, <laughs> I cannot remember it. Um, about kind of conversations that you couldn't have in, in, in church or conversations mm -hmm. that you don't normally have at home um because they're just a bit too controversial um so we've talked for everything everything really we've talked about violence um we've talked about gender sexuality uh we've talked about um our name of war um everything modern technology and its implications uh, so they're kind of, kind of looking at the ethics and values and then we've been using the the Wesleyan quadrilateral just to give it some authority and grounding um, and kind of going well actually um, how how are we drawing the conclusions that we're drawing on these particular topics so we've not always been starting with scripture or, or, or the bible we wanted to to throw out so we, we it works we we've spent some time worshiping God through normal forms meditation or a um a worship song and then we come to the kind of thinking bit if you like and during that um i'll send out a video a youtube video like a, of a ted talk or something provocative that we've been engaging with um and then we'll all go away for 20 minutes watch the video read the article whatever it may be um, and there's normally different formats there as well because we try to engage as many different learning styles as we can um to make it as accessible as possible um, and then we come back and and discuss it really and what's stood out to us and as part of that we like to try and bring in this wesleyan quadrilateral um which for those listening that aren't aware is tradition um experience scripture 
and um oh your mind what is it there'll be people listening to this now screaming it <laughs> you're probably right uh reason reason i knew it began with r um so and we kind of see it as a window pane so as we're looking at this question or this ethical dilemma um we look through this what window are we using predominantly why how what's the what we what aspects of that are we how does it interrelate with the other ones you know if we're thinking we're making an argument from scripture around why we believe what we believe then how does that impact on us using our reason on on our tradition um, and on our experience so it has been utterly fascinating yeah as a series and we've done it for about a year now we took our time over it and really got stuck in if a question went on for a bit longer we took more time on it um and actually i think we've we found it's interesting because we would you would kind of assume this this nature of this group is drawn in a certain type of person that there's been a lot of people that have come from as i said before hurt backgrounds within the church uh people i've picked up along the way that i've got to know um but so you kind of assume a certain level of agreement on most topics but it's been fascinating how we've disagreed profoundly um on areas you would never expect in in, in a million or nuances about a particular topic okay you'd be surprised about brilliant yeah so having a group like that and then some of the other congregations and communities and gatherings that you have going on mm -hmm. how oh, oh i guess partly i'm, I'm always pondering about my own question really i was going to ask how does all of that hang together is there a sense of being a part of this one thing and the different elements or do the people who come to these groups not really engage with each other so is it really all just through the team that it hangs together and, and does it even matter does it have to i guess maybe it doesn't i'm just wondering how do you hold all that together i think all those questions are probably my brain at the moment i, can't, okay. honestly, I, I don't know if i could give you i think it was well, so when i presented this um this 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 vision is what we we call it a kind of you know it's mm -hmm. the vision that um and all i was doing in, in in presenting this to the church after the pandemic was articulating what's been going on for years mm -hmm. like these gatherings these expressions have been developing and growing for for many years it was nothing new i was just saying actually rather than it kind of happening let's embrace this as who we are because it's clearly where god's at work and what god's been doing mm -hmm. amongst us for, for years so it wasn't a it, it, it was a lovely blend of the pioneering but all, equally the kind of we could only do the pioneering because we went deep into our roots okay there was a grounding in that which i really really loved um but i presented the image which failed miserably in accomplishing what i wanted it to accomplish <laughs> of, um, a, a coral reef was the idea okay you know, you've got many different polyps there are all these different organisms that exist as their own plant life um and i was reading david attenborough's uh book the um the latest one a life on a planet earth um and really inspired by by the coral reef and thought this was a great image that people are going to grasp this they're a ecologically minded congregation um and they got so people just got very caught up on the term polyp which i didn't think they found particularly <laughs> complementary of their communities um and, and it kind of it, it didn't work but the idea for me was that that we'd have these separate distinct communities um that, that that have their own life have their own identity um but at the same time they're all drawn together by the kind of skeletal framework of the of the mm -hmm. coral reef itself you know that that hard eco structure that holds them holds them all together um and i thought that'd be a really inspiring vision um so and, and in my mind I, I i suppose i kind of thought all these communities will have really separate identities they will be church in and of themselves people will come and will be discipled within them um and there's no expectation that you'll go to the sunday morning in order to come here or if you're a member that you have to go um you know you have to go to the sunday morning on occasion there would be none of those expectations because all of them would be um you know fulfilled expressions of church and then god came along and kind of went well i'm not sure that's the way i want to play it mate that's a little bit too <laughs> organized it's a bit too structured and we found that um people that were coming to dove church to renew refresh some to open uh, some to dove, um, dove cafe drifted into a sunday morning because as soon as they were more familiar with 
Christians and, and some of the traditions, they found it easier to come to a Sunday morning service. Um, and some who were coming to the Sunday morning service actually found that they were more comfortable in these other gatherings and, and drifted towards them. And we had this kind of, and then some people, you know, loneliness and isolation was a real struggle for them. As, like I said before, a lot of our ministry is around that focus. Um, and actually they wanted something to, to mark each day and they wanted a real rhythm and pattern in their lives. And they find they, they come to everything. You know, we've got them at every gathering. You can get a group of people who you know will turn up to all these gatherings. Um, so it, it's really hodgepodge and messy and um, all of the structure and vision that I wanted to put and all the cool cards I could imagine putting out and the things on the website hasn't worked. It's beautiful, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's yeah, it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. And yeah, sometimes it's, um, it's not possible to put a neat structure onto something like that, is it? Or a framework, it just doesn't doesn't conform that's absolutely fascinating i really look forward to hearing how that develops actually i think that's a very interesting time to be doing what you're doing where you're doing it and actually if i can just jump off you i forgot i didn't of course have your question which was the the one around how do how's it all drawn together mm. um, i think the ideas that are bubbling around in my head are is there a way like you know um iona and and mm -hmm. community, okay. rule of life or something of the yep. sort is there a rule of life, a commitment that we could make and hold um, together with all these within all these communities? And I think there would be mileage there. And then maybe quarterly meet gatherings where we kind of really encourage everyone to come together. That's the hope in my mind, um, whether that becomes a reality um, with the way things have gone so far. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but I like so as you're doing what you're doing and, and thinking about these things, what What's the sort of stuff that you're that you're reading or you're inspired by? What are some of your your go to things at the moment? Might even be just to sustain you in that or specifically on that. Could be either. Mm, that's a very very good question. Um, I love I love reading, and you'll be very glad to know because I know you you well, sir. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor was the oh. last one I read. Um, Holy Envy, which oh yes, I what a good book. Oh, just inspiring. Um, so I've, I've been reading a lot about uh, other faiths and, um, and our relationship uh, to them. And, and this whole, I, sp I suppose I've been reflecting a lot on, on what, we, what we offer. So these, I suppose there's two things here, what we kind of offer at, at, at South Street, because ritual seems to be really, really important. Right. Yep. Um, and it surprised me because I, I've come from a very charismatic background um, originally, and I think I've, I've taken quite a theological journey um, and would not necessarily find myself there now, but it's still within my, in, in my roots. There's something special there. I've really discovered a, a beauty in, um, in silence, in, in, in ritual of, of things like lighting candles and um, things that the demographic of people that cross our threshold on a regular basis, you would, I would not in a million years thought that would be the kind of thing they would appreciate but I was surprised coming here and seeing that Simon was doing this stuff you know liturgy with them and, and originally I was critical I remember saying to him you know I don't I don't think that's the way I, I want to go when I, when I do some things and humbled by actually over the over the past two or three years seeing how effective liturgy was at giving mm. people feel part of something um and and how lighting a candle can transform the dynamic of an evening and set the tone for a meeting and gathering. Um, so I've been really, so this idea of ritual, because also there's a lot of what we do is based around rhythms um, and, and doing things on a cyclical basis. Um, and people really, really appreciate that structure and that rhythm. So um, I'm reading at the moment, uh, the reason I mentioned that is Karen Armstrong's, although I thought this was originally video, so I've got my books here to show you on screen, but. Um, <laughs> I wait after this, but the, the case for God, um, mm -hmm. which I think she she's she's written um, in response to kind of Dawkins and um, which would give away the the picture on the front of the book. Um, but actually, the reason I, I picked it up and wanted to read it was because it's it's a, it seems a reaction to fundamentalism in faith, and as much as it is to atheism, it, okay. it's embracing the mystery of 
of God, I suppose, that we claim to know and say far too much about who God is, um, is part of her argument. Um, I suppose that links with some of what I've, I've been reading with Barbara Bowen Taylor and, and, and Holy Envy. Um, but she talks a lot about ritual and um, and the fact that it's it's a modern thing to be to to put belief and doctrine as the focus of who we are, rather than kind of the act itself. You know, religion in that sense, she was saying, was ritual. It was to do something mm. that was the basis of it. Um, so I suppose I'm asking a lot of questions about what that looks like for us as as a church. You know, we can't gather around a set form of doctrines or beliefs because there's such a diversity. We are a very broad church on a Sunday morning, equally across the spectrum. Um, you can get people from all kinds of views politically um, and, and theologically. Uh, but these but these we can gather around these rituals and these 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 ways of worshipping, which people are drawn to and they're finding real purpose in. So I don't know if that's coherent, but that's certainly yeah. something I'm playing with um, at the moment. That doesn't link to other faith at all, I realise. Um, that's right. It's my own personal interest. Yeah. No, I love that. And I haven't um, read the, the Karen Armstrong, so I've made a note of that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, any chance to read Barbara Brown Taylor is always to be greatly uh, seized upon. Uh, <laughs> absolutely right. Um, and one of the things you do beyond the uh, auspices of, of South Street um, is you represent your association um, on BU Council. Um, yeah. How long have you been doing that and how have you found it? So I've been doing it for um, probably, I mean, two, I would say two and a half years, mm -hmm. um, but I've only been twice because uh, okay. it was during the pandemic. That It was just before the yeah. pandemic that, that I kind of got um, signed up to that. Um, so, yeah, so it's hard to say, really. I mean, on, on the two experiences I've been, um, obviously the first one was with your, your good self. Um, and it, I've, I've loved it. I mean, it's been an incredible insight into, into Baptist life and what goes on. Um, it's always great to meet beautiful people um, and, and get to know new people and to have conversations with people that you've, you've known for years. Um, and, it, and it's 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 deeply challenging and, and upsetting at times as well um with challenges that we're facing for the future and um and just i think as you as we honestly reflect and engage with the tough questions of um our union gathered together um that's in equal parts joyful and equal parts challenging and, and upsetting at times i think would be mm. my yeah my reflection yeah I, that's great i I think that would be shared by many people who mm. participate in that in one way. It's both much like we're talking about church life. It, it, it's both glorious and beautiful and also messy and challenging and <laughs> all those yeah. other things. And uh, as, as so much that is worth having in life, it, it poses those sort of paradoxical challenges to us. And um, I wonder if uh, your experience of that might inform your answers to our two questions that we, we ask all of our guests on on the podcast um Russ, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment what would it be um i think i think the thing for me that really that, that, that I, i'm passionate about baptist circles is um our diversity and the fact that there are there is such a, a breadth of uh, belief and uh, theological opinion across our denomination, so that we would cling to that and really embrace that. Um, and I know it's it's hot on the topic at the moment with some of the themes that are coming out of um, the centre, if you like, about about conversation. But I just think that's so important. It, mm. it seems real distinctive of who we are, and um, to embrace um, our difference, which I think that diversity is often something that we fear, but I, I don't know. I just think that it makes us richer human beings to be amongst a variety of, of views and perspectives and to be in solidarity with people that we utterly profoundly disagree with. There's something, there's something special in that. And, and yeah, that's what I would declare to the union. Embrace, embrace the diversity that we have because it is beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you. Sorry. I'm just, I'm making notes. Um, yeah, this is good stuff. Um, and if 
you think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world in this moment, what might that be? It's a cop out to say the same the same thing I answered for the first question. <laughs> no, no, um, not at all, not at all. I think there's yeah. I, I would love. I th I think for me, I'm a Baptist because of of our distinctives that you know it's a local church gathered is where the power is and um and, and where decisions are made, or or at least it should be. Wink, wink. Um and and the other would be um, <laughs> would be that diversity that you know like a, like a, like I said that we. Can we hold? I, I hope and believe we can hold the controversial topics and conversations um, that we're having within society and church life, because the local church seeks the mind of Christ and is able to to come to different conclusions and opinions. So I I do love that. Well, I'm tempted to be a Methodist on occasion. Um, I will. Oh. Too, yeah. yeah. Is that your your Wesleyan quad that leads you that way? You know what? Yeah, maybe that is it. I mean, I, the roots is around the the care for the the poor, and I think you know the kind of yeah. amongst the the marginalised and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some uh, attractive things there, aren't there? And I guess holy that's envy. one of holy envy. Exactly. It's it's okay to look over at our Methodist sisters and brothers and think there's some good stuff there. I wouldn't mind a bit more of that, or <laughs> or in all sorts of directions. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, well. Thank you very much for making some time and having a bit of a chat with us today. We really, really appreciate it. Pleasure. It's been great. So Beth, there we are. That was a little chat that I got to have with uh, Ross, it was a total joy for me. What did you make of that? What sticks out for you? Where do we start? Oh, it was so interesting. Um, I, I wrote my notes. Um, so much of this is so good in like capital letters. <laughs> like it was, it was, it felt like a real treat to listen to. Um, I trained with formed, formed for ministry. I'm not unless I trained for ministry, formed for ministry with Ross. Um, and um uh so he would have been, I think, the year group below me. Um, maybe two years. I can't quite remember, but um, we overlapped anyway at Regents. And so I was really interested that um, his comment about uh, ritual uh, was one of the first things he, I mean, for so much he talked about missional things, but one of the comments that he picked out was the difference between, um, you know, kind of having come from a charismatic space and then kind of uh, discovering kind of ritual and thinking I'm not so sure and having been on a journey and it just made me laugh because I was probably one of the people going on the opposite journey at the time I come from a really ritualized space and I was having to learn to trust the kind of other kind of you know kind of a less a less formal approach to that um and um, so we were probably on kind of we probably journeyed somewhere closer to where each other were during our time there but um yeah it's great he was a good person to know he's still a good person to know and it was really interesting listening to that definitely and I think that is a very interesting thing how how our spirituality evolves and I think it's one of these things where the temptation is to think about you move from here to here well I don't always think it's as simple as that I think you kind of add other layers to mm. it because you don't ever leave behind totally um, I guess unless you're making a really conscious effort to, but you, you don't really leave behind what you were embodying before, but you you kind of, the emphasis is in a different place perhaps, but you still bring something of that uh, with you. And I think you you need different bits of spirituality in different places and spaces mm. of your ministry as well, don't you? So, um, you know, there are times yes. where that needs to be, you know, perhaps formalized ritualized um in a particular way and the other times it needs to be mm. you know kind of guided through a kind of charismatic thing or whatever, whatever the you know I mean I don't I don't see those as um as as kind of opposites actually um I think they're often set up as opposites um but it's I so I ended up going from a kind of charismatic Baptist church met in a school building to high Episcopalian um so kind of Anglo-Catholic but in Scotland um kind of the kind of spirituality 
And the thing I had to get over a lot of the bowing, um, which was a bit neglecting. <laughs> I called it divine hokey cokey. Um, and and I found it, I find that genuinely kind of like rubbed me up, like kind of in a what is going on here kind of way at the beginning. But um, but but asking the questions about why they did things, it, be, it was because because that's where we believe, you know, well, we all process the gospel because we believe the gospel is the most important thing in the service. So that's that's why it's there and it's done with candles around because the gospel is the light of the world. And then we, you know, then we bow at this point because we believe the Holy Spirit is is present in this particular way. And it was like you know what you can you might you might disagree with some theology of some of it but actually the symbols of those things I I thought actually what it was saying it was such an expectation that the Holy Spirit was really present in the worship and the other the other place I've met that is a low charismatic spirituality so for me it was such an interesting kind of I think they're horseshoes rather than opposites you know two ends of a horseshoe um so so I was yeah so I was really interested by that from what ross was saying mm. um, yeah that made me think a lot about spirituality actually maybe maybe it's a bit like because he uses the image of a, a coral he does um, he does <laughs> the polyps um yes. we loved immensely because isn't that what churches do <laughs> you present them with this beautiful image and they'll like obsess about this tiny thing that you thought was completely coincidental <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is what like, what happens. But um, actually, maybe spirituality is a bit like a coral, um, and that you have like different kind of polyps for, you know, different bits of your life and space that you're in at any point in time. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. it's like you just grow more bits of coral. Well, I mean, I think that's an image we can keep playing with and uh, maybe try and salvage. I, I I like it. I think there's a lot in it. I really do. Yeah, I um, really like the coral reef for the record. So, Ross, we think you were on something there. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Um, but I think there was a lot in all that Ross was talking about in terms of spirituality and in terms of mission and all the exciting things that South Street are doing to reach out and all these different communities and expressions it's they've got. So many things. Yeah, but a real sort of patchwork network of things but, but in all what of it really there is think... a there is a breadth yes yeah there is a real so there's there's a there's a breadth in the thought but also in the practice as well which recognizes that missionally not everyone's going to engage in the same way um and there's so much in all of that so i, I was really interesting to see that that was being lived out as well it was um across the board i yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, I, so my big thought was, oh my gosh, when do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Church, how busy are you? Um, but I think the fact that it's really de-emphasized the centrality of the Sunday morning and made yes. it more about a kind of this, this kind of living breadth across the week um, and how integrated then that can be. And, and interesting that people have then moved from different bits. You know, it's not been that, you know, where they thought it would be one expression here and one expression here. Um, actually it's been that people have kind of found their way through all of it um I I was so one of the things I was thinking about um as I was hearing him talk about kind of missionary how they've 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 done well all these different expressions and this diversity but at the same time they've found ritual to be a part of what they've done um was that um it it's so interesting to me that um the recent report has just come out from the census um, about what what people believe in terms of faith um, mm. and and how obviously more and more young people would declare themselves as, as non-religious. And then but there's been loads of research into what nons actually believe as opposed to, um, you know, because because actually it's looking at the breakdown of what 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 do people mean when they say they then they're not faith and what they mean is they're not institutional faith have don't have an institutional faith like they don't have they don't go you know they might not want to sign up to being a church member um but 50 percent of i think it's 50 percent of gen z's is that right who um would say they don't have faith do believe in the supernatural mm. um so it's not the same thing as not believing in something it's just saying we don't believe in maybe that particular expression of it and so to have such a br- breadth of expression then um, and something that takes supernatural really seriously that says, actually, we're going to take seriously your experience and the, and the idea there might be an experience of something more um, that, that I think really is a really, yeah, 
I thought I was absolutely on the money, really. Yeah. And I really loved hearing about their Sunday evenings um, and what they've been doing, kind of addressing, well, addressing is the wrong word, really, but sort of exploring some slightly more theologically contentious things and actually how the space for people to sort of think and talk and share uh, together um, has drawn in a whole load of other people who've previously found themselves hurt by church mm -hmm. communities in, in other places. And uh, I was really just struck by that. And that, that sent me down a hole. I wonder if I, I don't, in terms of our own church here, whether we're making enough space uh, for that. Even the name was interesting. Open, mm. open, open hearts and open minds was what he then said. But um, yeah, what great, what great name for something. I was like, I was, I have to say, I've been, I was listening to it and I was like, oh, can I steal that? Steal that for chapel. Steal that for chapel. Yeah. Great. There was yeah, lots, lots in there. Um, one of the other things that we uh, picked up on as well, um, I think when we were talking before, was uh, Ross's holy envy, uh, to borrow a uh, Barbara Brown Taylor phrase, uh, about Methodism, which has come mm -hmm. up in some of our conversations before, and his use of the Wesleyan quad um, as well. And uh, there's, Which there's... Adds, an, adds an experience to the Anglican three-legged stool. So just want to shout out that experience there, just running through his little theme again. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. And I think um, there is something in that, isn't there, that all denominations, for want of a better word, do bring something different. And it's, it's okay and, and perfectly possible and indeed commendable to find those good things and and embrace them and and say actually we we need methodists at the table we're better when methodists are at the table we're better when the quakers are at the table we're better when the anglicans are at the table because each family of churches brings something different to our understanding and our experience um, i think i think methodists um having i had the joy of working alongside them for a while and and sort of with with and for them in different way i suppose and um I found I found it very renewing to be alongside them when I was there because their emphasis on faith is less on the kind of um it it's on what are you going to do about it <laughs> right it's it, it, it felt like it was take we can we can assume that you you've had this huge life-changing experience of Jesus and the the Holy Spirit is a part of your life because what you'll do with it will matter and I think it was this real emphasis on um on the kind of the social justice and um th that work that they they do so brilliantly um I it was just awe-inspiring um and it, it really I, I kept meeting it's extraordinary young people of huge faith and I think it was I mean who had such integrity and um you know would campaign on things that they absolutely lived out in their personal lives as well and and I think yeah this real sense of you know we're here to if we're here to partner with God in making in 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 the kingdom of heaven we're gonna we're gonna turn some tables upside down we're gonna do it you know it's, and it was just it, it was extraordinary and they mm. they were extraordinary and I think um I wonder how many of us would quietly <laughs> think about if Methodists stop baptizing babies, how many of us would yeah. suddenly go, Ooh, <laughs> oh, we could get on board with this. Um, yeah, yeah, they're um they're good people. Although um, they are. they've because they've just moved out of Methodist church house, haven't they? So yes. um, it's being uh redone. Um so um when I worked there, I used to um sit next to a, a life-size cut cardboard cutout of Susanna Wesley. Um wow. that was next to my hot desk. And I, I'm not entirely sure why there was a life-size cardboard cutout of Susanna Wesley, but but there she was. So um I just would often take a selfie with Susanna um when I was in there and um and I just had this like image of like, oh no, what will have happened to Susanna Wesley? <laughs> but they was, there was not a flaw. There was not a picture of a Wesley. Um, it was, it was immense. Um, so yeah, that yeah. was, that was quite, that was quite fun. Um, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I think Regents has quite a lot of Baptist portraits. 
Um, I also take selfies with those actually. Um, but you do sometimes with matching outfits. I've noticed it's because I've realised the more and more how often I dress like ancient Baptists. <laughs> Slightly alarming. <laughs> you you've been thoroughly institutionalised now. That's what it is. You're even you're even dressing the lacy like collars. They had a great lacy collar. Um, yeah. I get on board with that. So. I'm I'm yet to have embraced the lacy collars, but you know, uh, God willing, ministry is young and there's plenty of time. Yeah, I'm just saying we need to get our, you know, our Helvis and Smiths on the wall and uh, um, and a few of the women as well. Our Violet Hedges. We have got Violet Hedger on the wall, actually, at Regents. So. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Um, before perhaps thinking about the answers that Ross gave to our, our regular questions, um, the other thing that I, I just I'd particularly picked out, you may have other things was just how uh, the church there, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise given the kind of mosaic way that church's life is pieced together at South Street, which I love the sound of, and just about their commitment to team ministry as well. Mm. And and for Ross, being the, the full-time person doing what he's doing, to not feel the need to be the one who largely oversees the Sunday mornings as well, and one of his colleagues does that, I just thought there was a whole lot of really healthy dynamics in the way that it sounded like they were working together yeah no that was creative wasn't it and that it freed people into being what they were about rather than well I guess it really lives out that you know we're not just gonna center the Sunday morning there'll be somebody yeah. whom that is their responsibility but there'll be that will not be other people's mm. um yeah um, and then when we asked Ross about declaring to the union mm. he he perhaps given what we've been talking about, not surprisingly, spoke to us about the breadth of theological opinion. And actually, rather than seeing it as a problem, this is something to embrace and how we might learn to have solidarity with those we disagree with. And I think that's a real challenge, isn't it? Um, oh, well, it certainly can be. Uh, and so I, I, I received that declaring. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's very easy to hear that and think, yeah, those other people need to accept me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's like actually going, no, what does it mean to accept them? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, and then in terms of declaring to the world, talking about the power being in the local church and the importance of diversity. And I think that is something that, that Baptists bring to the table, actually, um, is this commitment to the local church. And often where we might go awry in some of our uh, regional and national whatevers is I think where we lose sight of, of something of that. And I know the temptation is to be like a slightly more missional version of the Anglicans, do you know what I mean? And sort of em embrace more of that power from the middle. But um, actually, no, there's something totally different there to be embraced. Um, and it kind of got me all... Yes, I am a Baptist. Absolutely right. I do believe in the power of the local church. And and, and yeah, I, I found that a very helpful thing too. I mean, because I think also for me, all theology is contextual theology, but I, um, you know, all church expression should be contextual church expression. And um, that's not to say that there can't be good things that we can learn, like we can, you know, envy the Methodists, their social justice and think, well, maybe then we need to bring some of that into our work. Um, and there are obviously things that, you know, that therefore, if we relate to one another in a bigger way, then we can pick up from one another and hold each other accountable on in different ways. But I think, yeah, yeah, the local being, you know, I think if you are so rooted in your local community um, and and that is the place of power, then, you know, if, if people have a voice in a church, then then they actually start to have a voice in a way that then you're saying no this is the place of this is the power this is the place of, of discernment but at the same time it's also got to be that the local church understands its provisionality that it is only a local <laughs> church yeah as well and that um so this is the right thing for this place in this time uh, with this group of people discerning it but it may not be the right thing <laughs> for someone 20 miles down the road or you know 200 miles away or you know kind of or, or even in a kind of, you know, within the wider Baptist World Alliance, you know, actually that there may be different expressions. And I think that's that that's the challenge, isn't it? And I think it's what Ross picked up on earlier about the belief 
and the kind of actually what we've ended up doing is saying we have a set of beliefs and you subscribe to the beliefs and and because we're still so modernist in our we have a you know we have a set of beliefs um that actually the real challenge of that going well which bits of these you know and how is this provisionally you know kind of help within the local um because actually what we're trusting in that local is something much more you know the kind of the lived um and and the messy but beautiful to borrow one of Rossi's Ross's other phrases um I think it was a really helpful phrase um you know if you're living the messy reality uh which will be beautiful and graced but but broken too <laughs> like yeah. then I think you know but, but all churches isn't it this side of this yeah. side of of heaven coming on earth you know this is this is it's always going to be some it's going to be provisional so so actually can we you hold that provisionality in the local in such a way then then that's really really liberating for people um yeah yeah I, yeah that's probably one of the reasons i'm a baptist still ironically it's a belief isn't it but <laughs> yes um, <laughs> But we are, we are still here and we're glad to be, <laughs> and we're glad to be sharing Baptist life with people like Ross. And, yeah, we uh, are. Glad to Definitely. Him, um, on the podcast. Uh, so Beth, um, we'll finish with our blessing this week. I'll do the blessing uh, this week. And uh, after this, that'll be the end of episode two. So friends, wherever you walk, may the earth uphold you. Wherever you enter, may you find welcome. Wherever you nest, may it be a good home. And wherever you go, may the love and grace and mercy of God go with you. Peace. Well, uh, thank you everybody for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Beth. And we will see you all for episode three. Bye.